Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's another episode of the podcast that continues to sweep the nation. It is One Man's Opinion, season three, mid-season form, talking fantasy football, fantasy sports. Hell, we'll talk whatever the hell we want because we can do whatever we want over these next 60 or so minutes. Trying to keep it to 60 minutes today. Hopefully, I can do it. This is episode 122. Appreciate each and every one of you for spreading the word, for downloading and subscribing and commenting and liking and favoriting this podcast. Uh, Love to get the word out. More and more people, a bigger reach. You know, Tell your buddies in your leagues, hey, man, this guy knows what he's doing. I promise I'll be partial to you and give you the good info, but uh, love to spread the word a little bit more and to grow this podcast in whatever way necessary. In case you're just stepping into it, falling into this pod, welcome to it. It's one man's opinion. My name is Jeff Mans. You find me weekday afternoons, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. I host a show called Elite Sports on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. That's uh, every weekday. Also, Sirius XM Fantasy Football pregame show, Sunday mornings with Bob Harris, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time during the NFL regular season. Also part owner, chief content officer at fantasyguru.com, seasonal fantasy sports, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and then daily fantasy sports, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and then every other sport you could imagine from soccer to esports to Literally, there's nothing we don't do whatsoever. So um, NASCAR and PGA and MMA and um, every PGA, everything. I think I said PGA yeah, twice. We do a lot of golf. So there you go. That's all at fantasyguru.com. Of course, sports betting, NFL, all the same sports. I'm not going to list them again. You don't need that. All sports betting you can handle. The all-in package available now over there at fantasyguru.com. Radio 20, this will officially be the last week. I know I told you that last week at a hiccup. For some reason, it wasn't allowing people to get the discount on the DFS uh, bundle. I don't know why that happened over the weekend, but we've solved that issue, so we'll extend it one more week. The early bird pricing over there when you get all three packages. So uh, I'll talk about that. Check out Fantasy Guru at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans, all one word, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and of course on TikTok. And that's where I'm going to be talking about something that I'm doing on TikTok, the Jeff Mans over there all episode long. That's what we're talking about. Yes, our last episode last week, I mentioned that I'm doing all these player profiles. I've come up with new and interesting facts about every single player uh, when I do them. And I wanted to know I should combine it into an episode. You guys overwhelmingly said yes, that you would like that. So that I'm going to get into that today. Of course, there's other topics. NFL training camp is happening. Deshaun Watson news has come down. The Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, has been basically spanked on the Pepe as well. We'll talk about that. So a lot to get into on this episode and uh, appreciate each and every one of you doing that. Follow me in the variety of places. Let me start out. I actually got to talk about fantasyguru.com real quick when it comes to the packages. Um, there's been confusion. People are like, oh, I don't know what to, what, what do you sign up for, man? What package do I get? 
we streamlined this over the last week, hopefully made it easier for everybody. You've got the basic package, that seasonal fantasy football draft guide and in-season product. It's $49.99. It's over there uh, on the site. You get all the Discord access to that, auction draft book, best ball guide, dynasty guide, in-season, all the waivers and rankings and weekly stuff, you know, normal. Um, the, the additional package, the platinum package, or I should say elite seasonal package is the NFL data dashboard. Believe me, you want that, uh, elite, um, plus podcast networks. We have 50 fantasy football podcasts in 50 days on that. We've got the mind of Marsal, mind of Marsal's podcast. We've got, uh, Mike and Bob's week, Mike Dempsey, Bob Harris, weekly podcast, uh, weekly preview podcast on that network as well. That is included in the elite seasonal package as well. NFL off season, the draft guide, of course, and fantasy football training camp that's coming up August 19th. It's dude. It's like three weeks away. Like let's go Friday, the 19th. It's a full day of nonstop fantasy football talk and conversations. And it's a, the greatest conference you will ever intend in your life because you could do it from anywhere. You could be at work or at home or in the bathtub, the backyard. It's all virtual. You won't have to do anything but your devices and have Wi-Fi. You could do it on a phone you, and you just be part of it. You could dip in. There's parts you want to hear. There's parts you don't want to hear. Um, our entire staff here at Fantasy Guru is a part of that. So that is included with the Elite Plus pack or Elite Seasonal Package as well and if you're a member if you're got a ticket to fantasy football training camp you also get an, a ticket to the elite mafia fantasy football championship that is our own fantasy football league only amongst elite mafia fantasy guru.com subscribers so that, that's exciting there'll be thousands of participants prizes for winning your league and and uh, winning the overall championship there as well so we got that you'll get the canadian fantasy football, USFL, XFL, seasonal fantasy football content there as well. All that's part of one package, the elite seasonal package, $99.99 for that. The elite DFS package, you get everything in the elite, the elite seasonal package, plus all of our daily fantasy stuff. That means my core fours every week, my cash game breakdown every week, the data tables, my wide receiver coverage matchups, my offensive line defensive line matchups, 24-hour DFS Discord, DFS projections, lineup optimizer. You get the college football content for DFS, 24-7 college football Discord access, our Canadian USFL, XFL daily fantasy coverage. Folks, in case you're not catching on, we do football year-round, and that's why these bundles matter you're getting football in every form. You'll have USFL year two. You'll have XFL, the rebranding with the rock and everything, all that coverage with these bundle packages that the basic package doesn't have. Maybe you don't give a shit. That's fine. But that's included in the elite DFS one. The elite elite betting has everything in the elite seasonal package plus NFL betting content. It picks every single week, every showdown, every Thursday, every Monday night, college football betting, fuller full season, Canadian football betting, USFL betting, XFL betting, all of our NFL betting tools and data hubs as well, 24-7 NFL betting discord, 24-7 college football betting discord as well. That's in the elite betting packages. 
Both of those are $292.33 right now with the discount using Radio 20. Actually, that's before Radio 20, come to think of it. So that's not even that. Then there's the all-in package where you get everything in the Elite Seasonal, everything in the Elite DFS, everything in the Elite Betting Package all year round for $399.99. That is, again, before the Radio 20 discount, which you could do now. The DFS-only package, everything Daily Fantasy that I mentioned, that's $249.99. And then there's the betting-only package, which is $249.99 as well. So makes a lot – the more you bundle, the more – we give significant discounts for multitudes of products that we have, and then you tap that Radio 20% discount on as well, and you're – pretty much good to go remember these prices are good through the end of sunday night as well so there you go just wanted to streamline that for the folks that have been asking and if you are still unclear hit me up at jeff underscore mans on twitter or go ahead and email us on our customer support or go to fantasyguru.com there's a little support button in the lower left hand corner or just email support at fantasyguru.com so there you go all right let's get into it uh it's going to be an interesting day. Let's talk about the news of the week. And let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Something that I can't talk about on Sirius XM. It's not that I don't. I don't really want to talk about it, to be quite honest with you. Tra- straight up, this is always going to be my heart and soul on this podcast. And it's, you know, I understand. It's not that I want to talk about it on Sirius or anywhere else. I, I don't. I don't think... Uh, I just don't want the conversations that other people want to have. And what my job is to evaluate talent, evaluate situations, help everybody that's listening, win money and seasonal, win their fan, their championships and their leagues. Hopefully there's money involved. If not, that's fine. Trophies involved. Pride is involved. DFS betting. That's my job to do. I can't do that job when I'm worried about, everybody's belief system, everybody's sensitivities, everybody's, yeah, we all have different backgrounds and beliefs and thoughts and ideas and ideals and idiosyncrasies. We all, we're different. I love differences. I come from a different background. I think yeah, a little bit, and I don't know how, I guess it's not that different. I'm a Midwest guy, a city guy. Southside Chicago guy, um, big family, but forgotten about older parents through both deceased. Like I, I have my things and I hope you at least respect what I've done or been through. And I do the same with all of you. It's not to say you have to agree with me. I don't think you would agree with everything I say and same with you, but look, all right, here's what I'm setting up because I have to say it. It doesn't fucking matter that somebody else in the National Football League got a bigger suspension for doing something different or a lesser suspension. This is stuff that has consumed people on Twitter, Facebook, social media, and it's it's just doesn't matter. Deshaun Watson did what he did, has done what he's done, and I don't know... I have no fucking clue. Uh, we've two fucking years of this shit. I have no idea what the guy did or didn't do. Is he a scumbag? It certainly seems like it. 
Um, were some of these women on the take and maybe, maybe they were interested. Maybe they thought they were going to marry Deshaun Watson. They were into him. It's pretty obvious. I don't care. 20 people have sex with you. You're going, somebody's interested. They're not just, they're doing it for whatever reason. Okay. And again, if it's against people's will, that's fucking horrific. And absolutely. I don't know any of those details and nor is that for me or any of us to really decide that's for the arbitrators and it's for the, grand jury that cleared him of any criminal activity it's for the judges for the civil trial to decide it's for the national football league and all them so you got a six game suspension and then the national football league has appealed it which may mean yeah who knows what it means um they want indefinite suspension of watson for at least a year (sighs) i have to say this because it's the truth And I just don't know any other way. I think something everybody is forgetting. And if you want to kick Deshaun Watson out of your league because you want to hold higher standards, that's fine. No problem with that. Do if you want to hold higher standards and kick people out that don't, don't identify with what your league is. That's your right as a league. And you can do that. But I am always, I will always be for fair and equal treatment of all people, of all types of people, of all backgrounds and races and religions. Um, If some of you are not into that, that's your right. You can choose to do whatever you want. I will have my entire life and will always believe in everybody has a chance. Never keep people down just to keep them down. Okay? I believe in competition, though. I like competing against people. I like winning. So I I like competing against anybody. I I think it brings out the best in people. Sometimes it does bring out the worst too. There's cheaters, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. But, you know, I believe in competition. I believe in fair and equal treatment always and and a competitive imbalance. Everything should be equal and then let the strongest survive and the strongest thrive. The best people rise to the top. That's what I believe. I believe in capitalism. I just, just my belief system is that that's it. Everything else is just fucking noise to me. I don't, I don't give a shit about all of that stuff. Deshaun Watts. So I have to say something that's not on the surface. What I believe about the situation, but it's the truth. The truth is Deshaun Watson was already suspended a year. Why are we forgetting that? Why does that not get talked about it at all? Hmm. Watson didn't play football for an entire year. And that everyone's acting as if that's it. And then the six games is in addition to the year he already missed. Okay. Um, I just want to know why that isn't being talked about and brought up in anything. So a year suspension would be he's out for two years. Now, if that's your argument, if you want to say he should miss two years, well, all right, cool. I don't have a problem with that argument. That, and that's the argument. But we're just kind of ignoring the fact that he wasn't allowed to play football for a whole year anyway. We're also leaving the Houston Texans. Everyone's bashing the Browns, but the Houston Texans are the ones. If you want to talk about responsibility and everything else, the Texans are completely getting left out the Browns signed Deshaun Watson to a mega deal. Now, what they knew, didn't know, who the fuck knows? 
However, what we know, Houston Texans should have had an idea that Sean Watson, when you're hiring 60 masseuses and massages and all this, uh, you've got to be tipped off that there's a, something happening. Either the dude need, you know, either he's addicted to massages and has got a fetish, which certainly seemed possible, or he's got a body issue that he constantly needs to be massaged like every hour of every single day. But the Texans are on the hook for that. Why are the Browns? We're blaming the Browns for trying to get a quarterback. We don't even know if they knew all the extent because there's been a lot to come out since he went to the Cleveland Browns. If you want to hold the Browns responsible for taking that chance, okay. But they weren't – the Texans deserve blame too for harboring him if that's the case. So, again, I'm just confused on how we're shifting blame and why we're assigning blame. And also that the guy missed a year and now six weeks, and it's like, no, it should be more. It should be more than six weeks. Well, it already was a year. The fuck else do you want? And if you're, your big comeback to that is that because he didn't lose any money, he got paid. For one, I'm not 100% sure he did, but let's assume he did get paid by the Houston Texans last year. Once again, why aren't the Texans to blame? Browns for signing him, okay, but nothing on the Texans. That's kind of weird. It's weird how we've all forgotten that the Texans are the ones that did this and were part of this. But anyway, um, and but he got no fine from the NFL with the he got zero dollar fine, nothing, just the game checks. That's all he is getting monetarily taken away. That's it. They didn't, the NFL nor the arbitrator did, they didn't find him a nickel. So, and again, if you don't have, if you didn't do anything technically criminal and the civil suits of all, I think all but one are totally settled, they're all basically signing off that their justice has been done. Do you need, does he have to take more money? And again, like I said, in no way, shape, or form am I defending this guy's actions at all. But there does come a time where life has to move on and continue on. And again, if you want to say, well, get rid of this fuck, then great, fine, totally fine. You know, I'm totally fine. But it's it has to be one way or another. What we want to do as a society seems to be just, we just want to punish people, perpetually punish. And that's not the right way to live. That's not. People will be punished and Watson will be punished in his own way in a number of different ways for whatever he's done and will continue because there are people like us that will no longer like him or respect him or buy his jersey or watch him play or, or, or maybe there'll be protesters or, uh, you know, no more masseuses and women won't date him and nobody will go, you know, who knows? That's what he, that's the cross you, you bear. We all make that decision and we have to live with those consequences. So that's what I'm saying about that situation. The uh, Miami dolphins. Uh, I'm, I don't want to get too deep into all this news bullshit, but Steven Ross taking away first and third round draft picks. The dolphins went after Tom Brady and Sean Payton. And I, my question is why is Tom Brady not being punished? Why is Sean Payton not being punished? Like coming home, seeing your wife banging the neighbor, and you go after the neighbor. Like it's not really the neighbor's fault. It's the person doing, you know, 
the one you had trust in. I get it. The NFL had trust in their organizations not to tamper. Okay, punish him. But Tom Brady, it's like his third offense at cheating or attempting to circumvent rules in the NFL. Like, at what point is it just enough with this fucking guy? He should be punished. Sean Payton should be punished. As well as the Dolphins, too. And, again, it's a pretty damn stiff penalty. First and third picks. This fucks the Dolphins a little bit in the future. I'm still high on them for 2022. But losing those picks, one, a first rounder next year, and then the third rounder two two years from now, not good for the long-term health of the organization. And you didn't even get Tom Brady to boot. How bad do you have to – how big of a fuck-up do you have to be to go through all that and then not even get the guy? Like, how pathetic are you? Seriously. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Anyway, those are the top news items. Um, Tim Patrick injured. Sky Moore injured. Marquise Brown arrested for speeding on the 101 highway right by uh, where I reside in Phoenix, Arizona. Um you know, the minor news stories, and it's not going to really have a fancy impact to any of these guys. Obviously, Tim Patrick's out. You shouldn't have been drafting him in the first place. Uh, if you want to draft mid-tier third wide receivers on teams that have a monster running game, a rushing quarterback, and two great wide receivers to feed in, then I'm going to give you – you can have all of them you want. I'll give you 12 Tim Patrick's on your team. And if you want to figure out when to start him, you could do so. So, to me, it just hurt hurts me in fantasy because I wanted my opponents to have Tim Patrick. I prayed you'd draft Tim Patrick. Um, There you go. All right, let's get into it. I want to go. All right. So real quick, an update on where I stand. There are some things as we got into the month of August. Now, officially, I do want to reiterate where I stand on overall fantasy picks. And it's, there's some absolute definites right now. Number one, my number one player, and it's not changing, is Jonathan Taylor. That's it. It's over, done with. It's not going to be any change. I was skeptical. Debo Samuel was my number one early in this process. I've moved Debo down. I love the new contract. I love the incentives for rushing touchdowns and rushing yards. This is a beautiful thing. Debo Samuel, as you will see, I'm very high on him this season. Taylor one, Cooper cup two, Najee Harris, three, Joe Mixon, four, Justin Jefferson, five, Jamar chase six. That's it. Those six are not moving. I'm locked in other than an injury. There's nothing that's going to be done to move those six players from the top six picks for me in fantasy football this year. If you personally like one, over another, you're like, you know, I like Chase over Jefferson, no problem. I like Jefferson over Mixon, no problem. I think Mixon over Harris, or you know what, Cup is, I like Jefferson more the Cup, or you know what, I there's no arguments I'm going to have with you. Those are the top six. Those are elite. Those are locked down. I'm secure in those six as anything there is, and that's not changing, Okay. Then we get into some question marks a little bit, you know, great, amazing players, but some questions. I've got Austin Eckler, seven, Devontae Adams, eight, Christian McCaffrey, nine. Oh, really worries me, McCaffrey. And I got Debo Samuel, 10, Javante Williams, 11, Aaron Jones, 12. 
That's my first round. All right. There will be movement within there. I could easily see Debo moving up, possibly as high as seven. Very likely, maybe with Adams or close. Him and Adams are now very close on my board. Javante, I think he's about where he belongs. He's going way later than he should be. I love Aaron Jones, but I don't, you know, I don't think any of them are really moving up. My next 12, Derrick Henry, 13, higher in a non-PPR format. Nick Chubb, 14. I can't believe how late Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's one of the best buys in fantasy football right now. I've done several underdog fantasy.com drafts. Promo code ELITE, E-L-I-T, if you want double your deposit bonus and to draft with me when I draft. I do one almost every night at this point because I think we're in the middle of August or beginning of August and the comp- by the time we get to this time, September, the competition is going to catch up. I have an advantage. All of you listen to this podcast, every subscriber, fantasyguru.com. We have a massive advantages and we need to hit it now, 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 now. Cause this is not going to last forever. Nick Chubb's going to the third round. I'm, I'm here for it. I'll take him in the third round anytime you want. Dalvin Cook, 15 overall. Tyree kills 16. Mike Evans, 17. Keenan Allen, 18. Stefan Diggs, yeah, I'm lower on him, 19. Travis Kelsey, 20. C.D. Lamb, 21. DeAndre Swift, 22. Alvin Kamara, 23. And my number 24 is Saquon Barkley. There will be movement with all the, my top 24, I'm sure. Little moves, though. Tiny moves here and there, but I'm pretty, I'm very secure in it. Very sure of it. Nothing's moving in the top six. Okay. So there you go. Something I've been doing over at on TikTok, the Jeff man's all one word. That's the place to go. I've been doing these things called, uh, I just call them player profiles. I should have been more clever, had a better name. No question about it. Um, but I, I just been doing these videos and basically I've been going through average draft position. Now I just gave you all my top 24 players, the top 24 in ADP right now, consensus wise, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey too. Are you guys just out of fucking ideas? Like give me, a, is it, what is it? Is it the white running back thing? Like what's, what's going on? Come, McCaffrey's had one and a half great seasons out of a five-year career. What what are you doing with him second? There's it, something going on. Cooper Cup third, Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler fifth, Jamar Chase sixth, Najee Harris seventh, Dalvin Cook eighth, Derrick Henry ninth, Devontae Adams tenth, Stefan Diggs eleventh, DeAndre Swift twelfth, Joe Mixon thirteen. Love that value. C.D. Lamb, 14, Saquon, 15, Travis Kelsey, 16, Aaron Jones, 17, Debo, 18, yikes, Javante, 19, you're all nuts, Kamara, 20, Tyreek Hill, 21, Mike Evans, 22, Leonard Fournette, 23, and Mark Andrews, 24. No Keenan Allen, no Nick Chubb. Y'all must be crazy. You must be crazy. You must be crazy. So what I did, according to Average draft position, as I've been going through every uh, other day or so, making a TikTok video was something you didn't know. Uh, a long, yeah, that's a two-minute video, right? It's not long, but a, a longer form version of 
a player profile, explaining things you didn't know, reasons uh, my top six are my top six, and or you know pl- pluses and minuses, I guess, for every player. So let's do that. Let's really hammer in on on that premise. Also, uh, I'm going to talk. So we're going to talk the second half of the show about the beginning portions of the draft. I don't want to leave any of you out that are looking for late round advice. Now I'm going to probably next week, if not two weeks, it's going to be all late round discussion. Uh, I've got a developing situation. The name Alan Lazard will no longer exist. Alan Lazard is right now. I'm trying to, I can't even find him in ADP. I am extraordinarily high on Alan Lazard, as all of you know, or you should know by this point. If you're a subscriber, if you're a listener, he is the number one receiver for the Green Bay Packers. There is no competition. There is no doubt. There's no debate. It's just what it is. So I have Alan Lazard in my top 50 uh, rankings over at fantasyguru.com. That's a fourth-round pick, rough, or the first two picks in round five. Meanwhile, his average draft position, as we sit here, 3rd of August, all right, it is moving up rapidly. Still, his ADP is only 92.68. 92nd pick, that's middle of the eighth round. It's the best buy in fantasy football. I am not going to – I want to reward people that didn't – aren't Johnny come lately and have been listening to me for a while. So I'm doing so many drafts. So I'm not even going to use the name Alan Lazard. We are currently soliciting and asking you at Jeff underscore man's the Jeff man's on Twitter, the Jeff man's everywhere else. I'm asking you for a code name for Alan Lazard. We are going to go under wraps. I don't even want to say his name because everybody's going to be on him. I love him so much. Him, Juju Smith, Schuster, um, just fantastic later round, mid to late round, later round picks. DeAndre Hopkins is going way too late than where he should be, despite missing the first six games. J.K. Dobbins, yeah, maybe not for week one. You don't win championships in week one. If he's your third or fourth running back, you take him where he's going. The combination of Singletary and James Cook are going way too late. I like um, Christian Kirk a ton. At his current value, love Nicole Hardman a ton at his current value as well. I like uh, Daryl Henderson, who is neck and neck with Cam Akers for the Rams starting running back job. Mike Gusecki at tight end is a tremendous buy at that position. Damian Pierce is a great buy at his current position. So these are some of my favorite gets later on in the draft. Okay, Kadarius Tony for the Giants. I like Galladay with the Giants. Mark Ingram of the Saints. Whether there's a suspension or not for Alvin Kamara, we shall see. But I, I love these purchases as late-round players. Devontae Parker. I haven't even talked about Devontae Parker. He's going way too – he's the number one receiver for the Patriots. Having a good camp. They didn't trade for him for nothing. So, Belichick has played against Devontae Parker for, what, last five years? twice a year. He knows what he got. If he was a third or fourth round pick, I'd say, oh yeah, hard pass. But you're telling me I can get Devontae Parker. His current ADP is 170. That's 15th round, yo. 
That's a tremendous buy. So those are some of my late round purchases. Okay. Now let's start out. Let's start. Number one overall ADP. Let's do a player profile on Jonathan Taylor. What do we know about Jonathan Taylor? Well, number one player, number one pick this year, super high floor. Uh, I think the upside's limited for Jonathan Taylor, and that may surprise you. You're not drafting a high ceiling. You're drafting a super high floor, meaning he had more touches. He had like 35 more touches than any other human being in the red zone last year. These are things that are just not going to happen next year, right? He had 92 touches. The next best was Austin Eckler at 63, and they had the same amount of touchdowns. Okay, the rush attempts, Jonathan Taylor had 89 rush attempts in the red zone. The next closest was Austin Eckler again at 49. That's coming down. Just the mere volume has to come down. I still like him. He's still a tremendous player. Just if he doesn't wind up being the number one running back, you can't be that surprised. But if he fall, you'll be surprised if he falls out of the top five. That's for damn sure. But he's not going to fall the top five. That's why you're drafting him. Some things you may not know about Jonathan Taylor, first college football player ever to record 6,000 or more rushing yards in a three-year span. He had the most 200-plus rushing yard games in college football career of anybody ever, 12. All right? From weeks four to 11 last year, Jonathan Taylor gained 100-plus total yards and had at least one touchdown which tied him for the longest streak in NFL history. Only LaDainian Tomlinson, 2006, ever did that. He had 870 yards before contact. That's 192 more than anybody else, which was Dalvin Cook next at 678. Five years, right? Uh, five years. Um, it, it's Nobody's done that in not just five years, in the last 10 years. All right, that guy of yards before contact that speaks to the offensive line. Little bit of a worry. Who's going to play left tackle, but they didn't have good. Eric Fisher was hurt beaten up last year. So got to be careful with that too. Um, that's Jonathan Taylor. Some things you didn't know about him. The dude is incredible, but he's not going to be an 80, 20 guy. He doesn't, hog the backfield he shares a backfield with Naheem Hines that is just how it's going to go everybody so that's that's this stuff with Jonathan Taylor maybe you 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 didn't know um the number two I don't know why Christian McCaffrey's number two but he is let's talk about Christian McCaffrey and break him down what has McCaffrey done he's played 58 of 81 career games that's 71 percent only he's played in only 10 of 33 games the last two years, 30% of games. He in the if we break this down further, he's played six full games out of those 33 over the last two years. Lost four of the games he actually played in, he left early because of fucking injuries. He's left 11 games early besides the games that he missed in his five-year career. It's three of his five NFL seasons. He failed to rush from 443 yards. He, he, I mean, his combined rushing yards in 2017, 2020, and 2021 were 1,102. Three years, 1,100, 
hundred yards. All right. The combined fantasy points in those three years, 2017, 2020, 2021, was 465.5, or 446.5, my bad. In 2019 alone, he had 471. Folks, you are, you've witnessed a one-year wonder. Christian McCaffrey is at the abs. We will, five years from now, we will be doing top five one-year wonders in fantasy football, and it will be Christian McCaffrey. Now, the only thing, the only reason you don't really know that now is because we're still in it. Why don't they say you're in the glory days when you are? Well, because you're not looking. That's why, dumb fuck. We're not looking around. But McCaffrey has done nothing. And we just keep going back to him for some reason. He's already got paid all of his money. He's aging at 26. It's not the same offense. He only thing he did 2018 is the other year. He had a good, real good 2018. And most of that production came at the second half of 2018. Why? Cam Newton tore his shoulder and could not throw the ball downfield. It changed Cam Newton's entire career, changed Christian McCaffrey's entire career. That's why he had such a monster 2019 season. Second half of 2018 and a full duration 2019, the guy was an absolute fantasy stud. But those days are over. Ron Rivera's in Washington. North Turner doesn't exist. His son, Scott, is in Washington. Matt Rule is there. Cam Newton is long gone. The entire offensive line is gone. Everybody that was in Carolina 2018 essentially is gone when McCaffrey was doing his thing. He's had three injuries to his right ankle, two injuries to his right hip and thigh. Also, your precious Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, this, yeah, I'm going in on this guy. Yards before contact in his career, 2.7. Okay. That'd be about running back 10 through on average over the last five years. That's very solid. Okay. Interesting. Yards after contact, 2.0. That's his entire career. Mind you, when he was healthy. Mind you, when he actually was younger and stronger and more durable. All right, that's an average, but we'll give him the flat 2.0. Came in the league at 21, by the way. His peak years was at age 22, 23. So, you know, he's 26 now. But 2.0 yards after contact, that'd be running back 24. That's Josh Jacobs. If we correlate... Christian McCaffrey and his yards before contact in his career, which, by the way, he peaked in 2018 and 19. Oh, what a shock. Well, let's look at what the Panthers' offensive line was like back then. Well, overall adjusted line yards in 2018, they were 11th in the league, and 2019, they were 17th in the league. Okay? When at Pro Football Focus in 2018 – they were overall, when you combine passing and rushing, because he did so much there, they were 20th in the league in 2019. They were 16th in the league. Not that, that great, according to pro football focus. My metrics for offensive line production in 2018, the Carolina Panthers were 8th, and then 2019, they were 10th. Okay. What happened since? Two years since? Well, pro football focus went for Panthers where they were – 20th and 18th or 16th, they have gone down to 19th and then 28th in the league in 2020-2021. Football Outsiders, they they went from 
15th to 25th the last two years, and in my metric, 17th and 27th. When he's not gaining yards before contact, he's uh, he has to rely on getting contact. And when he does, he breaks down. And when he and if he doesn't break down, he's a running back 24. He's Josh Jacobs. So it's like that's the fat that's the brass tax on Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Um, let's continue this on because I could talk all fucking day about Christian McCaffrey. Let's move it on. Um, third in ADP right now is uh well, it's actually surprisingly, it's Cooper Cup, which uh you know, a little bit surprising. I love Cooper Cup, but some things that you may not know about Cooper Cup. Did you know that he was a top 10 fantasy football wide receiver the two seasons before he broke out before last year because he was uh did you know that cooper cup was uh roommates with jared goff at the, his first year with the la rams and was best friends with him and then when matt stafford came along he was best friends with matt stafford didn't know that did you know that cooper cup was um gained more yards after contact than any other receiver in NFL history last season. Did you know that he had just an amazing, you know, amazing run of yards after the catch there as well. Uh, did you know that Cooper cup back in, uh, in, t- in the previous two years in yards after the catch was fifth and eighth respectively. It's a top 10 fantasy football wide receiver even before the breakout. So throw myself under the bus. Shame on me for not identifying this. Shame on me for not finding this and being more in on Cooper Cup last year because I sure as shit should have. By the way, 846 yards after the catch last year. That's, uh, I mean, talking about 846 is what great seasons. That's just the yards after the catch. He had 1,101 yards before the catch, which surprisingly enough was not best in the National Football League last year. Justin Jefferson had 1,134. All right. That's pretty amazing. That, you know, yards before, uh, yards before the catch, yards before the caught, air yards, if you will. Um, anyway, so Cooper Cup set every record imaginable for wide receiver in the National Football League and obviously deserves to be. It's incredible that he's not widely considered for the number one spot, that Jonathan Taylor is not being drafted ahead of him. That is pretty surprising to me, to be honest, because I fully anticipated him. I've actually been in several drafts where Cooper Cup is dropping below Jefferson and Chase. I've got him as the third wide receiver off the board in a couple of different drafts. And if you're going to give me that, I will take that every single time. All right, I'll try to move it along with some obvious ones. Uh, Justin Jefferson, um, Justin Jefferson, interesting. Another interesting player, wide receiver for Minnesota Vikings. You know, his 1,400 yards in 2020 was a rookie record, lasted one season because Jamar Chase broke it. But uh, we'll see if Jamar Chase could do this. Justin Jefferson's 2,578 yards 
receiving the most ever in a wide receivers his first two seasons in NFL history. Did you know that one? Uh, bet you did not. Did you know that the number two wide receiver off the board in fantasy football, this kind of goes into Chase, I'm sorry, Jefferson and Cooper Cup, over the past five years that the number two wide receiver off the board has outperformed the number one wide receiver off the board by account an average production of 301.74 fantasy points to 254 fantasy points. Pretty shocking. Over 300 fantasy points of a difference, 1508.7 to 1274.9. So you look at it, and last year, Devontae Adams was number one, Tyreek Hill number two, and Adams was the better uh, choice. But the previous three years, Devontae Adams was the second receiver off the board. Michael Thomas was the first in 2020. Obviously, Adams crushed him there. DeAndre Hopkins was second off the board in 2019 to Devontae Adams, and Hopkins had a much better season in 2019. And the year before that, Hopkins was also the number two wide receiver off the board, and Antonio Brown was number one off the board in 2018. So the performance of the number two wide receiver, don't be surprised if Jefferson lingering about winds up eclipsing Cooper Cup now. It's because he won't have 1,900 yards receiving. Nobody ever should have that, but that's the breaks. Here's something else about Justin Jefferson that deserves our attention is that versus the Green Bay Packers, two years, four games against the Packers, he averages 4.6 receptions, 69 yards, and 0.5 touchdowns. That's just 14.7 points per game. Okay, why does this matter? He plays Green Bay in week one, which obviously you want to get out to a good start, but also week 17, which is championship week in fantasy football. He has had real good numbers against the rest of the league and the rest of the division. But something that we got Jair Alexander coming back for the Packers. Packers have been able to neutralize Jefferson the last uh, couple of years. So there you go. Also one thing with Justin Jefferson, he averages 101.9 yards at home per game and has 13 touchdowns at home on the road, just 81.5 yards per game and four touchdowns in two years on the road. Something to think about right there. Um, Next up, let's just do Jamar chase get this one off the board. Pretty little maids all in a row for Jamar Chase. We know, well, he broke Justin Jefferson's record uh, in with, with uh, receiving yards, 1455 uh, from a year ago. He's going to try to set the two-year record this year. But he also holds rookie records in yards in a game, 266 versus the Chiefs, by the way. Uh, also postseason rookie receiving yardage number with 368 in his very first postseason, helping the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl. All those records are both rookie NFL records and also Cincinnati Bengal receiver records. So that's kind of interesting. Here's something interesting also about Jamar Chase. Did you know he's the first Cincinnati Bengal player ever to wear the jersey number one? Kind of interesting there. He was third in yards after the catch a, a year ago. That's a big deal because a lot of the routes, remember, um, I figured this out quarter of the way into last season, DFS subscribers over at fantasyguru.com know that is hot routes. What's a hot route team opposing team blitzes. 
there's always an open space in the field. If you're litzing on the edge with a linebacker coming around, well, that spot on the field is open, right? Or if you block come through the middle, then that middle linebacker spot is open. If you're blitz with the safety, then the safety spot is open. Well, hot routes are the responsibility of wide receiver to when they see the blitz coming, they need to occupy the space, the open space from, from which the blitz came. And when the Bengals were blitzed last year, the football went to Jamar Chase. Okay, at 52 targets out of 137 opportunity uh, times that the Bengals were blitzed, he got 52 of those targets, number one by a mile in the number of targets in that setup. Remember, it also has to be on that side of the field. It's not just every single time. And he's also, that's a 37.9 target share when blitzed. Okay, also number one in the National Football League. Now, he caught just 36 of those receptions, which tied him for uh, fifth in the league. We'll call it seventh in the league. 69.2% catch rate, uh, 44.4% of the total. But the key to this is he was number one by a mile. 731 yards on hot routes. That's 50.2. Dead right in the middle of his entire catch total or the receiving air total, 1455. From the previous year, six touchdowns, six of his touchdowns came on hot routes as well. 145.1 fantasy points. That's 64.8% of his production came when teams blitz the Bengals. When you see teams like the Ravens, the Giants, the Buccaneers, when you see teams that are high blitz percentage teams, when they bring pressure, the ball's going to Jamar Chase. When they don't, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, everybody has a shot. But when you get the heavy blitz teams, that's the weeks you want to play Jamar Chase in DFS, and it's where he makes his nut here. One other thing, speaking of home road splits, 105 yards per game at home last year, just 63.8 on the road for Jamar Chase. The good thing about that is that he had seven touchdowns at home, but six touchdowns on the road, so... Still very, very solid. Uh, he also led the NFL in drops with 11 and drop percentage at 8.6. So got to clean some of that up. That is for sure. Austin Eckler is next up. What we know about Eckler running back to number you know, fourth best player overall in fantasy football last year. He tied Jonathan Taylor for the most touchdowns with 20. And he averages 0.4 points per game less than Jonathan Taylor. So you know, pretty freaking good. I attribute a lot of that to Joe Lombardi and the new offense. I call this is a breakout. I called last year, said he was the new Alvin Kamara. And indeed he was last three seasons. Austin Eckler, six in total touchdowns with 34 seventh and fantasy points with 818.1 points. He's first among running backs and receptions with 216. And if you put that amongst all running backs and wide receivers in receptions, Austin Eckler is also the number 17 overall player in receptions total. If you count wide receivers and running backs with 216, that's pretty amazing. He's undrafted out of Western Colorado in 2017. That's despite running at four, four, three, 40 yard dash, having a 40.5 inch vertical leap. His vertical leap is why I told you the touchdown numbers would come for him before last season. The one caveat, no downside to Eckler, 20 touchdowns last year. We have a, a running 
uh, number over at fantasyguru.com, part of our elite data package, the expected touchdowns. It's basically our projection of what how many touchdowns he should have had. 13.2 is what he should have had based on all of that usage, which was massive. So to exceed that by seven is just unheard of. It doesn't happen. So regression from touchdowns is going to happen for him. Okay. He's also logged just 1,751 snaps out of 2942, 59.5 over the last three years. He's had 10 injuries over five year career, including five injuries last year, 2021. He's had two concussions. The second concussion came in week 18 against the Raiders. Remember, Austin Eckler left that game with a concussion early Sunday night football. He's had a neck stinger, three right hamstring injuries as well, two sprained ankles. Um, that's something to worry about, especially with an older, smaller running back in Austin Eckler. Um, Najee Harris will go. We'll continue with the running backs. He was. Uh, what do we know about him? Starred Alabama, number twenty-four pick overall by the Steelers. Uh, most touches by a rookie running back in twenty years at three hundred eighty-one. He had six most touches of a rookie running back ever at least through 1992 when they started keeping track of all this stuff. Finishes RB3 in fantasy football, 300.7 fantasy points. He led all running backs and targets with 94, tied with Austin Eckler technically, and, and all receptions with 74. Second most targets for a rookie running back all time, next to Saquon Barkley in 2020, 2018. Some things you may not have known, and I want to go back to college with Najee Harris, that this guy grew up in a homeless shelter with his mom and four siblings. When he was in middle school, they found a dead body at the doorstep of their apartment in Antioch, California. Um, he is an exceptional human being, smart, tough, mentally adjusted kid. When he was going into the NFL draft last year, instead of going to New York and celebrating, he hosted a draft party at the greater Richmond interfaith program which was the homeless shelter that he his mom and his siblings spent time at he decided he wanted to celebrate his drafting with them which i think is just just amazing thing he also has his own foundation the bigger picture foundation to help families impacted by homelessness and hunger so this is a driven kid by more than just money or gold chains or any kind of stardom you know, he also had 83.5% snap share, third overall highest snap share in the last 10 years, only behind Christian McCaffrey in 2018 and 2019. By the way, new coach in Carolina. His 980 snaps are the second highest total for a running back in the last two years, or 10 years, I'm sorry. That's not going to change. He is still very very workload of all the running backs. That's why I can't believe he's dipping out of the first round in some leagues. Just unbelievable. He's the surest thing that there is on the board. We'll continue the running back. We'll talk Dalvin cook. You know, I'm not, I've loved Dalvin cook for years, but it's time to let him go. <sighs> um, Second most rushing yards, third most total touchdowns, second most fantasy points amongst running backs, second most touches amongst running backs over the last three years. Those are the good things. The bad thing is about Dalvin Cook. He's never played the full season. He's missed four games. He missed four games last year. He missed eight games over the last three years. Played just 69% of his career games. 
So less than McCaffrey because he never had a full season. Of 12 injuries that Dalvin Cook has had in five years, there were four last year in 2021. Here's the problem. Five right shoulder injuries, three labrum tears in one shoulder, two AC joint sprains, which are partial tears. He's also had three left ankle sprains, one in 2021. The right shoulder's a problem. You Shoulder injuries lead to ball security issues, and ball security issues lead to you being on the bench. That's a problem. Cook's career took off in 2019, another guy we predicted, based on the new offense installed there, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak, and offensive line coach Rick Dennison. Zone blocking was brought to Minnesota, and Dalvin Cook flourished. All right? Vikings this offseason, going back to power gap, terrible. Terrible fucking idea. Um, Cook had the fifth most zone runs in 2021 and the most per-game zone runs in the National Football League. He averages 5.0, nice and even, yards per carry on zone runs over the last three years. Over the last three years, when you do a power gap run, 4.1, almost a yard per carry difference, everybody. That's... When you start factoring this kind of stuff in, let, let's just say he lives up to that potential and there's no other regression happening. Okay, let's say that's the case. If Dalvin Cook were to log another 250 attempts this season, it's 250 less yards. If he has 250 less yards, he's at 950 for the season. This is This is not good at all you you can't just lose a yard per carry and if he's not going to be a good power gap runner then he's in a lot of trouble they actually take him on 900 yards rushing okay so that's important new offense here kevin o'connell gonna run less he's gonna mix up the running backs more the backup alexander madison has never had a power rush and is adult life at least through high school not in college not in the pros not one time so also the offensive line in minnesota has gotten away with being a a zone blocking scheme now they're going to straight up power they were 22nd in uh run blocking a year ago per pro football focus i have them even worse based on the scheme change in 2022. So be very careful with uh, with Dalvin Cook there. Talk about another running back in Derrick Henry, uh, currently going off the board as number nine. Fantasy football, Cook was going off at eight. As I mentioned, running back six. The good with Derrick Henry is he averaged 24.2 fantasy points per game in eight games last year. That would have been 411.4 for a full season. That would have beaten Derrick Henry's best year by 80 points. So we should have known it's inevitable. You're not just going to beat your your star player. You're not going to just outperform your best by six, seven points per game and with no repercussions. That simply doesn't happen. All right. 229 missed tackles forced over the last four years. Second highest in the NFL. Yeah. You heard me right, bitches. 229 missed tackles, but only second highest. Do you want to know who's better? Over the last four seasons, one running back is better, has more missed tackles forced 
Guess his name. Nick Chubb. Yeah, that's right. Oh, King Henry. King Henry's a dynamo. Nick Chubb's a stud, too. Henry's one of three players in history to lead the league in rushing in high school, lead all high schools in rushing, college football, and the National Football League. Can you name the other two? I talked about one earlier. I purposely saved this one. Jonathan fucking Taylor. The other is Latanian Talmudson. Only three players in history. Barry Sanders didn't do it. Nobody else did it. Only 34. Here's the, the issue with Derrick Henry is his age, 28 years old. Only 34 200 plus fantasy point seasons. Only eight 300 plus fantasy point seasons for running backs of 28 or older. Only 10 had three of those, had 300 plus rushing attempts. Remember, Derrick Henry doesn't catch the football. So 28 years of age or older, that's when 28 is the age you start your decline as far as production from a running back. All right. Derrick Henry is 55th in receptions with 55, ironically, amongst running backs over the last three years. He's 50th with 474 receiving yards over the last three years. Since 2010, age 28 or older running backs, that's 11 seasons, 31 have rushed for 1,000 yards, okay, but zero in the last two years. 12 have rushed for 1,200-plus yards. Two, the last two were 2016, DeMarco Murray. 23 have had 10 or more touchdowns, including Henry and Melvin Gordon the third last year. 11 have had 250-plus fantasy points. The last time that happened were Mark Ingram and LaShawn McCoy in 2017. And 17 have averaged 15 or more fantasy points per game. One of them was last year's Derrick Henry. So what we're saying here, you lose Roger Saffold, David Quessenberry on the offensive line. The saying is, you know, the clock's ticking on Derrick Henry. I think the touchdown numbers, I think that's that holds. But he doesn't catch a football. He's not getting receiving yards. There's very few rush for 1,200 plus yards. Derrick Henry almost needs to rush for 1,400 plus yards to return an eighth overall or ninth overall value. Sad to say, he's out of the first round for me, at least at this stage of the game. Ninth overall, or I'm sorry, 10th overall player, wide receiver for Devontae Adams. Adams is great. Average, his average season um, over the last four years 154 targets. 108 receptions, 1,328 yards receiving, and 12 touchdowns. That's 311.25 fantasy points per year out of Devontae Adams. That is insane. All the most in NFL over the last four years by a mile. In 2013, if you didn't know, Derek Carr led the NCAA in passing yards, 5,082, 12th most all-time, in passing touchdowns with 50, 6th most all-time. All right, why is that interesting? Well, because in 2013, his receiver, both years, or in 2013, that receiver is Devontae Adams. He had 131 receptions that year, tops in NCAA, 12th all-time, 1,718 receiving yards, second most in the that year, 26th all-time, 24 touchdowns. That was obviously led to NCAA football in 2013 as well. That's the fourth most touchdowns all-time. So these two have that chemistry. Adams, Devonta Adams, 57.6%, 53.2% catch rate over his first two years in the league. 
15 drops were the most, most in the NFL. Remember, people wanted to cut him. They wanted him gone, okay? So let's look at Derek Carr since he's been with the Raiders. How many wide receivers since 2014, Derek Carr's first year, with the Raiders have had targets over 154? That's the average targets for Devonta Adams. Zero. The most is Michael Crabtree, 146 in 2015. How many have had at least 108 receptions in a season? That's the average for Devonta Adams. Zero. Highest was Darren Waller, 107, one less, in 2020. How many have had 1,196 or I'm sorry, 1,328 receiving yards, the average of Devontae Adams over the last four years, 0, 11.96. I spoiled that one. That was Darren Waller in 2020. How many times have they, as a wide receiver in Oakland slash Las Vegas, had 12 or more touchdowns receiving? None. That's the average for Devontae Adams. How many times have Devontae Adams averaged a 311.5.25 fantasy points? How many receivers have hit that number? Obviously, fucking zero. The most ever, Darren Waller, 278.6. Renfro last year with an extra game, 259.1. Michael Crabtree in 2015, 239.3. So no Raider receiver has ever done it. Fortunately, much better system and the relationship with the quarterback as established in college is still there. Um, next on the list, I want to go to one of mine because uh, we're running short on time here. Joe Mixon, love Joey Mixon for sure. Sixth in, it's a sixth year in the National Football League, right? But he's turning 26 years old as we speak. So that's still well within his prime, not aging out yet. Was running back four in fantasy football last year, um, third in touches, fourth in touchdowns. Okay. Inside the 10 yard line, Mixon was fourth in rushing attempts at 26, fourth in touchdowns with 11, first in targets. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't catch the ball, comes out on third down. It doesn't fucking matter. He comes out on third down. He most touches, most targets of any running back inside the 10 yard line and first in receptions with five. They don't throw the running backs much. Mixon was sixth in snap share last year, 63.5%. Second in the NFL, next to Najee Harris, in rush share, 67%. Fifth in opportunity share, fourth in goal line carries, and fifth in red zone touches overall. They improved their offensive line massively. We know Jonah Williams is left tackle. He's a stud already, 15th in run blocking per PFF. Pro Football Focus last year. Jackson Carmen started for Trevor Lawrence, all those Clemson teams. He is established now at left guard, second round pick, was 32nd amongst interior linemen in run blocking a year ago. Remember, you're talking about 96, 32nd out of 96 plus, 96 plus all the additional. I think there's 151, yeah, yeah, 151 eligible players, so still pretty good. Oh, by the way, they they added a new center in Ted Karras. He was seventh in pass blocking, 25th in run blocking out of 113 eligible centers last year. Uh, They added Alex Kappa, who was 20th in run blocking, 28th in pass blocking out of 101 
uh, interior alignment last season, and they added Lael Collins from the Cowboys, third in run blocking the entire NFL amongst tackles out of 88 eligible tackles. Pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. Now you got an offensive line. You got this dynamic offense. You think you really think those touchdowns are going down? I just don't see it. All right. I Joe Mixon to the freaking moon. Um, my the twelfth one that I have here, he has slipped in recent weeks to 13. Uh, or no, he's moved up actually to 11. My bad. It's Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs, I'll end it here. I'll continue doing these. Maybe I'll sprinkle them. Um I'll sprinkle some of these in as we go. Remember, all of them are on TikTok, the Jeff man. So go there, check it out. But Diggs, I'm just not as into him as I was the last couple of years. What do we know about Diggs? Well, last two years, he's first in NFL in targets, 330. Third in receptions, 230. Fourth in receiving yards, 2760. Seventh in receiving touchdowns at 18. Fourth in fantasy points and fourth in fantasy points per game. Okay, he holds the Bills all-time record in receptions with 127. He's second with 103, so he's first and second. Receiving yards, 1535 in 2020. And receiving touchdowns, he's second place with 10 in 2021. He was traded for Minnesota, from Minnesota to Buffalo. All right? Do you remember what the Vikings got back in return? All right, they got number one pick, okay, and they got several picks. Well... Who would the Vikings end up selecting with that 22nd pick overall in 2020? Yeah, you got it. Justin Jefferson. Not so bad of a trade now, is it? They also got some pieces. I, I investigated that. That didn't that they traded the draft picks around a lot. So there's a lot of like 2022 picks because they traded 2021 later on picks for 2022 picks and really nothing big to come of that. But uh, I like the Jefferson Diggs comparison. My concerns is this, and this is where I'm going to leave you. This is the depth of what I'm bringing to the table this and every year for our subscribers at fantasyguru.com and listeners on this podcast and elsewhere, because I figured it out. There's a type of coverage. It's called two man or man under or trail man coverage. It's man to man coverage, right? But there's differences with that. It's basically having somebody over the top, somebody responsible, and then a linebacker, sometimes it's a safety, or it could be a defensive end or edge guy. It's all different, but they drag somebody up to the front in order so that they can't do comeback routes and things like that. If you watch Buffalo Bills football, a lot of comeback routes. Oh, Allen and Diggs are on the same page. Well, so that. So the reason I found this coverage, I had no idea, I rewatched all the games and looked at my notes and I started realizing what I first realized was against man coverage just overall. Um, Stefan Diggs just wasn't it, right? It just wasn't really 1.65 yards per route run versus man coverage. All right. That's like way under is 2.2 against zone coverage. Uh, so right away, that's jumping out. I also noticed this with Gabriel Davis is that Gabriel Davis is 2.44 yards per route run against man coverage. Um, so he is way more effective. By the way, that was 61st in the National Football League digs against man. Gabriel Davis was 10th in the league against man coverage. 
Okay. So that's where that's got me rolling on this. And that's how I wound up found it. So I went and isolated what, who played man coverage against them. Well, there's all variations when it comes down to coverages. And I talk about this in my weekly break, the cash game breakdown for the daily fantasy subscribers at fantasy guru. But realistically, three teams played them, played man coverage the most Kansas city, new England, Miami. Okay. Well, just so happens they played two games against Kansas city, two games against Miami and three games against New England last year. Kind of interesting. Well, let's, I, I isolated that. What, what, watch. That's how I found the trail, man. It's not just man on man. They, they use a guy underneath. They play a cover two, so two high safeties, man to man coverage everywhere else. And they use a trailer all, and they vary the trailer with Miami, New England, but the same premise is the same. Against Miami in two games, 15 targets, nine catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. 15.5 points per game. Okay, good. You know, real. that's pretty damn good. But it's not quite Stefan Diggs, right? It's not what we normally would expect from Stefan Diggs. It's not what we, you know, that's, that's we would expect more because he averages 15.5. He averages 17 points per game uh, and normal. Okay, fine. Caught the touchdown. And without the touchdowns, 50 yards per game, kind of dog shit. Well, then you go to New England games. There's three games against New England. Well, the total, 24 targets, 14 catches, 196 yards total, three games. Yeah, about 60-some-odd. He did score one touchdown. But third, that's only 13.2 points per game against the New England Patriots, right? Interesting. Kansas City. Now, this one you knew because you saw it. We all saw the playoff game, didn't we? Do you remember, by the way, just offhand, what you're – we all know that based on one game, Gabriel Davis is shooting up draft boards, and we're all excited about Gabriel Davis. There's no question about it, and why the fuck not? Because he was amazing in that game. Do you remember what Stefan Diggs was doing? He had six targets, three catches, seven Yards, seven, seven yards. That's all he had. Nothing. Against Kansas City in two games, he only had 11 targets. Five catches, 76 yards, no touchdowns, 6.3 points per game. Again, seeing this kind of coverage, so, and then Gabriel Davis popped the fuck off, right? Well, again, Probably if I would have caught this before the game last year, we would have cashed more checks because in so Gabriel Davis didn't play in one of those games. I forgot which one it was, but there's a total. Um, he played five of the seven games that with Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Davis caught four. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. In the regular season. Yeah. He played in five of the six games. I'm not counting that last playoff game to Kansas city because it throws the numbers off. Gabriel Davis caught a touchdown four of the five games against man coverage teams that played man. So if this, it, why wouldn't every team in the league, if I'm me, a stupid fucking idiot, if I could identify this coverage and figure it out, why you really think defense coordinators aren't, of course they are. Expect a lot more man coverage, expect a lot more trail man coverage or man, uh, um, Two man, man under. It's all variations. It's all the same lingo. 
But the more man they play, the better Gabriel Davis's numbers likely will be. So there you go. That's uh, that's a pretty golden nugget to leave you on. Guaranteed nobody else in the free world, uh, at least outside of the National Football League comedian rooms, have that kind of information. Now it's passed on to you for free here on the One Man's Opinion Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank each and every one of you for downloading, subscribing, favoriting, liking whatever they do and whatever site you're downloading this on. We appreciate it so much. Remember, check out fantasyguru.com. Our new bundles are available now. Early bird pricing for about the next five days. Get in now. Radio 20 is the promo code. Check that out as well. Follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. The Jeff Mans Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. I'll have more of these profiles as we go. I knew I wouldn't get to all of them in one show but uh you did a whole first rounder guys you can't fault me for that uh you may disagree with some or everything that you heard in today's show and it's perfectly all right folks do you know why it's okay we're all individuals we all are entitled to our own opinions and this one this was just one man's opinion i'll see you next time everybody Deuces.